Chapter Nineteen of the Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Proust. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Nineteen. The foreign quarter in Memphis lay on the northeastern extremity of the city, near the river. There were several hundred houses in that place, and many thousand people, Assyrians, Greeks, Jews, most of all Phoenicians. That was a wealthy quarter. A street thirty paces in width formed its leading artery. This street was rather straight, and paved with flat stones. On both sides were houses of sandstone, brick or limestone varying in height from three to five stories in the cellars were stores of raw materials on the ground floors were arched rooms on the first stories dwellings of wealthy people higher were the workshops of weavers tailors jewelers highest of all the crowded dwellings of laborers the buildings of this quarter like those in the whole city were mainly white but one might see stone houses as green as a meadow, as yellow as a wheat-field, as blue as the sky, or as red as blood. The front walls of many houses were ornamented with pictures representing the occupations of people who dwelt in them. On the house of a jeweller, long rows of pictures announced that its owner sold to foreign kings chains and bracelets of his own making, which roused their amazement. The immense palace of a merchant was covered with pictures representing the labours and perils of a trafficker. On the sea, dreadful monsters with fish-tails were seizing the man. In the desert, winged dragons breathing fire were grasping after him. And on distant islands, he was tormented by a giant whose sandals were larger than any ship of the Phoenicians. A physician on the wall of his office represented persons who, thanks to his aid, had recovered lost hands and feet, even teeth and youthfulness. On a building occupied by a government administrator of the quarter were to be seen a keg into which people were throwing gold rings, a scribe into whose ears someone was whispering, an offender stretched on the ground, whom two other men were beating. The street was full. Along the walls stood litter-bearers, men with fans, messengers and laborers ready to offer their services in the middle of the street moved an unbroken line of merchants wares carried by men asses or oxen attached to vehicles on the sidewalks pushed forward noisy cellars of fresh water grapes dates dried fish and among them hucksters flower girls musicians and tricksters of various descriptions in this torrent of people which flowed forward and separated in which men bought and sold crying out in various tones policemen were prominent each had a brownish tunic reaching to his knees bare legs an apron with blue and red stripes a short sword at his side and a strong stick in his hand the official walked along on the sidewalk sometimes he conversed with a colleague most frequently however he stood on a stone at the edge of the street so as to take in more accurately the crowd which flowed past in front of him in view of such watchfulness street thieves had to do their work cleverly 
usually two began to fight and when a crowd had gathered around them and the police clubbed both spectators and quarrelers other confederates in the art did the stealing about halfway between the two ends of the street stood the inn of asarhaddon a phoenician from tyre in this inn for easier control all were forced to dwell who came from beyond the boundaries of egypt it was a large quadrangular building which on each side had a number of tens of windows and was not connected with other houses hence men could go around the place and watch it from all points over the principal gate hung the model of a ship on the front wall were pictures representing his holiness rameses the twelfth placing offerings before the gods or extending his protection to foreigners among whom the phoenicians were distinguished by a sturdy stature and very ruddy faces the windows were narrow always open and only in case of need shaded by curtains of linen or by colored slats the chambers of the innkeepers and of travelers occupied three stories the ground floor was devoted to a wine shop and an eating place sailors carriers handicraftsmen and in general the poorer class of travellers ate and drank in a courtyard which had a mosaic pavement and a linen roof resting on columns so that all guests might be under inspection the wealthier and better born ate in a gallery which surrounded the courtyard in the courtyard men sat on the pavement near stones which were used instead of tables in the galleries which were cooler there were tables stools and armchairs even low couches with cushions on which guests might slumber in each gallery there was a table on which were bread meat fish and fruits also jugs holding several quarts of beer wine and water negroes men and women bore around food to the guests removed empty vessels and brought from the cellars full pitchers while scribes watching scrupulously over the tables noted down carefully each piece of bread bulb of garlic and flagon of water in the courtyard two inspectors stood on an elevation with sticks in their grasp these men kept their eyes on the servants and the scribes on the one hand and on the other by the aid of the sticks they settled quarrels between the poorer guests of various nations thanks to this arrangement thefts and battles happened rarely they were more frequent in the galleries than the courtyard the phoenician innkeeper himself the noted asarhaddon a man beyond fifty dressed in a long tunic and a muslin cape walked among the guests to see if each received what he had ordered eat and drink my sons said he to the greek sailors for such pork and beer there is not in all the world as i have i hear that a storm struck your ship about raffia you should give a bounteous offering to the gods for preserving you in memphis a man might not see a storm all his life but at sea it is easier to meet lightning than a copper uten. I have mead, flour, incense for holy sacrifices, and here in the corner stand the gods of all nations. In my inn, a man may still his hunger and be pious for very slight charges. He turned and went to the gallery among the merchants. Eat and drink, worthy lords, incited he, making an obeisance. The times are good. The most worthy heir, may he live for ever, is going to pie bast with an enormous retinue but from the upper kingdom a transport of gold has come of which more than one of you will win a good portion i have partridges young goslings fish direct from the river 
perfect roast venison and what wine they have sent me from cyprus may i be turned into a jew if a goblet of that luxury is not worth two drachmas but to you my benefactors and fathers i will give it to-day for one drachma only to-day to make a beginning give it for half a drachma a goblet and we'll taste it said one of the merchants half a drachma repeated the host sooner will the nile flow upward toward thebes than i give such sweetness for half a drachma unless i do it for thee lord belezis who art the pearl of sidon hi slaves bring to our benefactors the largest pitcher of wine from cyprus when the innkeeper had walked on the merchant named belezis said to his companions may my hand wither if that wine is worth half a drachma but never mind we shall have less trouble with the police hereafter conversation with guests of all nations and conditions did not prevent the host from looking at the scribes who noted down food and drink at the watchmen who stared at the scribes and servants and above all at a traveller who had seated himself on cushions in the front gallery with his feet under him and who was dozing over a handful of dates and a goblet of pure water the traveller was about forty years old he had abundant hair and beard of raven colour thoughtful eyes and wonderfully noble features which seemed never to have been wrinkled by anger or distorted by fear that is a dangerous rat thought the innkeeper frowning he has the look of a priest but he wears a dark coat he has left gold and jewels with me to the value of a talent and he neither eats meat nor drinks wine he must be a great prophet or a very great criminal two naked serpent tamers came into the courtyard bearing a basket full of poisonous reptiles and began their exhibition the younger one played on a flute while the elder wound around his body snakes big and little any one of which would have sufficed to drive away guests from the inn under the ship the flute player gave out shriller and shriller notes the serpent tamer squirmed foamed at the mouth quivered convulsively and irritated the reptiles till one of them bit him on the hand another on the face while he swallowed alive a third one the smallest the guests and the servants looked at the exhibition of the serpent tamer with alarm they trembled when he irritated the reptiles they closed their eyes when they bit him but when the performer swallowed one of the snakes they howled with delight and wonder the traveller in the front gallery however did not leave his cushions he did not deign even to look at the exhibition but when the tamer approached for pay he threw to the pavement two copper utens giving a sign with his hand not to come nearer the exhibition lasted half an hour perhaps when the performers left the courtyard a negro attending to the chambers of the inn rushed up to the host and whispered something anxiously after that it was unknown whence the decurion of the police appeared and when he had conducted asahadan to a remote window he conversed long with him the worthy owner of the inn beat his breast clasped his hands or seized his head at last he kicked the black man in the belly and commanded him to give the police official a roast goose or a pitcher of cypress wine then he approached the guest in the front gallery who seemed to doze there unbrokenly 
though his eyes were open. I have evil news for thee, worthy lord, said the host, sitting at the side of the traveller. The gods send rain and sadness on people whenever it pleases them, replied the guest with indifference. While we were looking at the snake tamers, continued the host, pulling at his party-coloured beard, thieves reached the second floor and stole thy effects, three bags and a casket, of course very precious. Thou must inform the court of my loss. Wherefore the court, whispered the host, with us thieves have a guild of their own. We will send for their elder, and value the effects. Thou wilt pay him twenty per cent of the value, and all will be found again. I can assist thee. In my country, replied the guest, no man compounds with thieves, and I will not. I lodge with thee, I trusted thee with my property, and thou wilt answer. The worthy Asarhaddon began to scratch his shoulder-blades. Man of distant nation, continued he, in a lower voice, ye Hittites and we Phoenicians are brothers. Hence I advise thee sincerely not to turn to an Egyptian court, for it has only one door, that by which a man enters, and none by which he goes out. The gods can conduct an innocent man through a wall, said the Hittite. Innocent? Who of us in the land of bondage is innocent? whispered the host. Look in that direction. Over there that commander of ten policemen is finishing a goose, an excellent young goose which I myself would have eaten gladly. But dost thou know why, taking it from my own mouth, I gave that goose to him? It was because the man came to inquire about thee. When he said this, the Phoenician looked askance at the traveller, who did not lose calmness for an instant. He asked me, continued the host, that master of ten policemen asked, What sort of man is that black one who sits two hours over a handful of dates? I replied, A very honourable man, the Lord Foot. Whence comes he? From the country of the Hittites, from the city of Haran. He has a good house there, of three stories, and much land. Why has he come hither? He has come, I replied, to receive five talents from a certain priest, talents lent by his father. And dost thou know, worthy lord, continued the innkeeper, what that decurion answered? Asarhaddon, said he, I know that thou art a faithful servant of his holiness, Thou hast good food and pure wines. For this reason, I warn thee, look to thyself. Have a care of foreigners who make no acquaintances, who avoid wine and every amusement, and are silent. That foot of Haran may be an Assyrian spy. The heart died in me when I heard this. But these words do not affect thee, he said indignantly, when he saw that the terrible suspicion of espionage did not disturb the calm face of the Hittite. Asarhaddon, said the guest after a while, I confided to thee myself and my property. See to it, therefore, that my bags and my casket are returned to me, for in the opposite case I shall complain of thee to that same chief of ten, who is eating the goose which was intended for thee. Well, but permit me to pay the thieves only fifteen per cent of the value of the things, cried the host. Thou hast no right to pay. Give them thirty drachmas, not a uter. 
Give the poor fellows even ten drachmas. Go in peace, Asarhadon, and beg the gods to return thee thy reason, answered the traveller, with the same unchanging calmness. The host sprang up, panting from anger. The reptile, thought he, he has not come for a debt simply. He is doing some business here. My heart tells me that he is a rich merchant, or maybe an innkeeper who, in company with priests and judges, will open another inn somewhere near this one. May the first fire of heaven burn thee. May the leprosy devour thee. Miser, deceiver, criminal from whom an honest man can make nothing. The worthy Asarhadon had not succeeded yet in calming himself when the sounds of a flute and a drum were heard on the street, and after a while four dancers, almost naked, rushed into the courtyard. The carriers and sailors greeted them with shouts of delight, and even important merchants in the galleries looked at them with curiosity and made remarks on their beauty. The dancers with motions of the hands and with smiles greeted all the company. One began to play on a double flute, another accompanied with a drum, and the two others danced around the court in such fashion that there was hardly a guest whom their muslin shawls did not strike as they whirled. Those who were drinking began to sing, shout, and call to the dancers, while among a common herd a quarrel sprang up, which the inspectors settled with canes. A certain Libyan, angered at sight of the canes, drew a knife, but two black men seized his arms, and from him some bronze rings as pay for food, and hurled him out to the street. Meanwhile, one of the dancers remained with the sailors. Two went among the merchants who offered them wine and cakes, and the oldest passed among the tables to make a collection. By the sanctuary of the divine Isis, cried she, pious strangers give offerings to the goddess who guards all creation. The more you give, the more happiness and blessing will come to you. For the sanctuary of Mother Isis, they threw onto her drum coils of copper wire, sometimes a grain of gold. One merchant asked if it were permitted to visit her, to which she nodded with a smile. When she entered the front gallery, Foot of Haran reached for his leather bag and took out a gold ring, saying, Istar is a great and good goddess. Take this for her sanctuary. The priestess looked quickly at him and whispered, Anael, Sachiel, Amabayel, Abaladot, answered the traveller in the same low tone. I see thou lovest Mother Isis, said the priestess aloud. Thou must be wealthy and art bountiful, so it is worth while to soothsay for thee. She sat down near him, ate a couple of dates, and looking at his hand, began. Thou art from a distant region, from Bretor and Haggett. Footnote. The spirits of the northern and eastern parts of the world. End of footnote. Thou hast had a pleasant journey. For some days the Phoenicians are watching thee, she added, in a lower tone. Thou hast come for money, though thou art not a merchant. Visit me this day after sunset. Thou wishes will be accomplished, she said aloud. They should be accomplished. I live on the street of tombs in the house of the green star, whispered she. But beware of thieves who are watching for thy property. 
finished she, seeing that the worthy Asahdan was listening. There are no thieves in my house, burst out the Phoenician. None steal except those who come from the street. Be not angry, old man, replied the priestess jeeringly, or a red line will come out on thy thick neck right away. That means an unlucky death. When he heard this, Asahadan spat three times, and in a low voice repeated a charm against evil predictions. When he had moved away to the depth of the gallery, the priestess began to coquette with the Haran man. She gave him a rose from her crown, embraced him at parting, and went to the other tables. The traveller beckoned to the host. I wish, said he, that woman to come to me. Give command to conduct her to my chamber. Asahadan looked into his eyes, clapped his hands, and burst out laughing. Typhon has possessed thee, O man of Haran, cried he. If anything of that sort happened in my house with an Egyptian priestess, they would drive me out of the city. Here it is permissible to receive only foreign women. In that case, I will go to her, answered Foot, for she is a wise and devout person, and has told me of many happenings. After sunset thou wilt give me a guide, so that I may not go astray. All the evil spirits have entered thy heart, said Asahadan. Dost thou know that this acquaintance will cost two hundred drachmas, perhaps three hundred, not counting that which you must give the servants and the sanctuary? For such a sum, or say five hundred drachmas, thou mayst make the acquaintance of a young and virtuous woman, my daughter, who is now fourteen years of age, and like a prudent girl is collecting for herself a dowry. Do not wander in the night through a strange city, for thou wilt fall into the hands of the police or the thieves, but make use of that which the gods give thee at home. Dost thou wish? But will thy daughter go with me to Haran? inquired Foot. The innkeeper looked at him with astonishment. All at once he struck his forehead, as if he had divined a secret, and seizing the traveller by the hand, he drew him to a quieter place at the window. I know all, whispered he excitedly. Thou art dealing in women, but remember that for taking away one Egyptian woman, thou mayst lose thy property and go to the quarries, but perhaps thou wilt take me into thy company, for here I know every road. In that case, show me the road to the priestess, said Foot. Remember that after sunset thou art to have a guide for me, and tomorrow my bags and casket, otherwise I shall complain to the court. Then Foot left the gallery, and went to his chamber on a higher story. Asahadan with anger approached a table, at which Phoenician merchants were drinking, and called aside one of them, named Cush. Thou bringest beautiful guests to me, said he, unable to restrain the quivering in his voice. That foot eats almost nothing, and now, as if to insult my house, he is going out to an Egyptian dancer, instead of giving presents to my women. What wonder in that, answered Cush, smiling. He could find a Phoenician woman in Sidon, but here he prefers an Egyptian. A fool is he who in Cyprus does not taste Cyprus wine, but Tyrian beer. But I say, broke in the host, that that man is dangerous. He seems to be a citizen, though he looks like a priest. Thou, Asahadan, 
hast the look of a high priest, though thou art only an innkeeper. A bench does not cease to be a bench, though it has a lion's skin on it. But why does he go to priestesses? I would swear that that is a pretense, and that this churlish Hittite, instead of going to a feast with women, is going to some meeting of conspirators. Anger and greed have darkened thy reason, answered Cush with impatience. Thou art like a man who, looking for melons on a fig tree, sees not the figs on it. It is clear to any merchant that if Foot is to collect five talents from a priest, he must win favours from all who go around in the sanctuaries. But thou hast no understanding. My heart tells me that this must be an Assyrian ambassador watching to destroy his holiness. Cush looked with contempt on Asarhaddon. Watch him, then. Follow every step of his. If thou discover anything, perhaps thou wilt get some part of his property. And now thou hast given wise counsel, said the host. Let that rat go to the priestesses, and from them to places unknown to me. But I will send after him my vision, from which nothing will be secret. End of chapter 19